Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And we've got an awesome episode lined up for you today. Another Raw Real Monsters is here. Yes. And we are talking about the amazing, the powerful, the wise storm giants. And Neil, perhaps even more exciting than that, is the guest that we have lined up for this episode. He is someone that many of you are going to be familiar with. We have none other than Chris Thompson, DM Chris, coming back to the block to talk with us about Storm Giants. It's a fantastic episode. Neil, I'm super excited for everybody to be able to get to listen to it. How about you? Agreed. I was... I I mean, I a little words. Yes, I'm beside myself. <laughs> That's all there is to it. But I think it was so natural. I think that was the most fun, just playing off of each other and all of the ideas we come up with. So I am super excited. I don't I don't want to waste your time. Let's let's get after it. But before that, we've got some iTunes reviews. So the first one is from Jeremy Warren, twelve. Good show, five stars. My brother really loves this show. His name is Ethan, and I am Connor. This is a prank. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about this, but you've made you've absolutely made my day because none of the names in your review match with your screen name and I'm very happy. So thanks Connor. That was a great prank. Or thanks Jeremy, Ethan, Connor, anyone involved. All of you thank guys. you. Our next one comes from Galifile Draven as entitled Great Resource 5 Stars. This is an excellent podcast. I haven't ran a campaign in over 20 years, started out in first edition, and this podcast has inspired me to open up the books again and introduce D&D to my kids. Thanks again. That's awesome. Thank you for that review. I have this amazing image of my head of you breaking out those first edition books from your shelf, opening it up, and just blowing the dust off of them before you yes. start another adventure with your kids. That's fantastic. Oh, that's that's great. Kids, you want to learn Common Core math? How about Sacco? <laughs> Have a seat. Yep. With that, we're going to go to our next review from Nuker Wolf, entitled Caught Up, Starting Over. Five stars. I started listening in mid-June and finally caught up while listening as I drove. As a delivery driver, I do a lot of driving. These guys give great advice worth listening to again and again. If I were to give advice to people, I would first say, make sure to tip your pizza delivery driver. And second (laughs) would be listen to this podcast if you plan on DMing. Zim the Goblin. So thank you, Zim, aka Nukerwolf, for that awesome review and for your own awesome advice. Great advice. Fantastic advice. And with that, let's spare no more time and let's head over to the meet. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. Welcome to this segment of the meat. We are talking storm giants today, but maybe even more exciting than that is our guest for today. 
he's returning, although he's not returning as a returning guest because he used to be a host on this show. Chris Thompson, a.k.a. DM Chris, is back here on the Dungeon Masters block with us. Chris, welcome back. Man, it's really good to be here. Yes. I'm super glad that I'm not a guest, but I am a guest. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but <laughs> it's the, it, <laughs> well, you're not a returning guest, <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, now you true. are a guest. You have both, you have transcended hosthood into guesthood. Am I like the storm now, now giant? We, of we ho- open the doors guests. for you and yeah, <laughs> the, the transcending is mainly just not having to edit it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's true. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to transcend. I want to transcend. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, it's. It's been far too long. Chris, we were talking yeah. about this off air, but it's been since episode 100. That's yep. when you gave the the goodbye speech of which many of our listeners uh, wrote in and were pretty upset about. Um, yeah. But uh, we were talking and we were like, okay, so now this is episode 173 that you're on right now. But it's been longer than 73 episodes because we had that transition to doing every from going from every week shows to every other week so it's been a while since yeah it's you've been, been a little on, over two years nice back. yeah Woo. it's good to be yeah. back i love it it's not okay not okay <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm talking to the two people that can make that happen okay differently well you know? i think i think the listeners would be okay if we just <laughs> slyly had you be a guest on more episodes so that basically you were a host again, but like <laughs> maybe you didn't realize that. You're like, like you're just having me guest a lot. <laughs> this is the beginning of the end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. What have you been up to? Two years. Oh, man. Uh, two years ago, let's see. I was in grad school still, which I am no longer a part of. Thank goodness. Glad that's done and over with. I didn't have a child. I have a child now. Uh, I lived in West Michigan. I now live in Southwest Chicago. Uh, so there's quite a few things that have changed personally over the past a, uh, a two lot, years. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you graduated, right? Like your presentation was just like, ah, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. My presentation was like, thank God, because yes. I went to seminary. Got to do that. Yep. This is done. <laughs> yes. That's exactly it. Yep. But that's what's been going on with me. Quite a quite a few life changes have happened since uh, I took a step back two years ago. Fantastic. All right. Are you ready though? Because now that you're in the guest seat, uh, and this that's could, this, right. this could the hot seat, the hot seat. This could be good or bad. But are you well, ready? It's so different being on the opposite side of it, like not knowing, like the suspense is terrible. Are you ready for your surprise <laughs> question? Yes. Okay. So this one comes from William Johnstone. And that's an amazing name to start with. But it is their question. <laughs> is, I think last time that we said that name on air, when we thanked him for being a Patreon, you said the exact yeah. same thing. Neil. <laughs> can I can I give an answer before we even start to see how close I was to actually answering it? Yes. Yes. Uh, ham and cheese. Grilled cheese is my favorite sandwich. OK, good. What is your best D&D voice <laughs> character or NPC? So what is your grilled ham and cheese NPC character? voice? <laughs> Yum. Um, man, my best one. Uh, I think I do a really snooty barkeeper or store owner fairly well. I think that's I think that's kind of my go to uh, with people that just don't really pay attention to the people that walk into. It's really easy to just be an annoying son of a gun. 
in a, in a store <laughs> and just not want any interest in the people that walk in. Are you looking uh, for well, an example you, of that? Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think William Johnson would be very upset if yes. we did not get an example. Uh, all right. You. All right. Uh, hello. Welcome to my store. What what is it? Uh, I, can do I would for like you? to see. I would like to see your uh, magic items, please. They're right here on the wall. You can't see them with your own eyes. Uh, do they need a uh, magic glasses to see them? They no, don't look that nice to me. No, they're they're physical that have magical properties. What what else do you want from them? Would you like to see one? <laughs> what else could they do for me? Yes, show me your best magical item. <laughs> Do we have and to tell me everything about it in <laughs> excruciating is, detail. This is, this is exactly why I sometimes do really annoying <laughs> store owners <laughs> because players always do that. It's not you're breaking character. Yeah, Chris. it's you're yeah. it's not acting, folks. Hey, it's not this, acting. One of the most recent ones was uh, when when characters did this was hey, there's a name on the wall scratched in Poppy Proudmead. Oh, tell us everything about Poppy Proppy Proudmead because I rolled really well at my history check. Dang it, you guys. Give me I'm, like another three sessions to be able to figure that out before you roll that. I eye. mean, with the name of Proppy Proud, Proppy Proudbead, I'd want to know everything too. It, to was be supposed, it was supposed to be Poppy, and I, I stumbled over my words to make it Proppy. So Did maybe you stumble over your proppy. words here on the show or in <laughs> like the game with your players? On, on the show. On the, I never okay. stumble over words in my actual games. Uh, Ever. Right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Poppy Proudbead. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, good stuff. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that answer, Chris, and thank you, William Johnstone, for that awesome question. Uh, you got to have a little bit of role playing, probably some of the worst role playing that's ever been done on air, but it happened. So, uh, and I can only say that with you, Chris. Uh, other guests would be like, "What? That's yeah. so insulting." But that was partially my fault too. I Wait, so terrible. do you lie to all your other guests and say that that was the best role playing? Oh yeah, ever done? if we do role playing, I'm like, "Wow, that was the greatest thing ever!" And hopefully, I have my video <laughs> camera off. No, all right, yeah, right. So let's talk about what we came here to talk about today. Chris, when I was asking you about coming back on the show, uh, we were talking about you coming on for a Raw Real Monsters episode. Yeah. And I said, all right, well, like, we're going to put it to the Patreon Dragons uh, to put it to a vote, uh, which we did. And Patreon Dragons were doing what you voted on today. But you specifically said, well, one thing that I'd really like to do is I'd like to talk about Giants. And so we put it to the Patreon Dragons. They were able to vote on any of the Giants. And though they chose Storm Giants, so that's what we're going to talk about today. But Chris, first, uh, what was it that drew you to wanting to talk about Giants? Yeah, so I had uh, started creating a new world that um, I had put Giants at the forefront of pretty much the creation of the entire world. Um, not, not just being like overlords that were created of the people, but that were actually given a blank canvas and empowered by the gods to go and create the world. And they created people and all. And, and I was, I was just fascinated, uh, especially after Volo's guide came out of all of the history of the giants that you could work into a fantasy setting, because there's no shortage uh, of things that you can just straight up use if you have a homebrew world or that you can, uh, take and tweak uh, in many ways. And so that was what really got me interested in wanting to talk about them because I was just learning so much. It was just so fascinating about giants. And, I, and I've, other than the one kind of short instance that in one of your campaigns, Mitch, we ran across the stone giants, uh, 
I really mm. hadn't had much interactions with giants in a campaign in any way, so, shape, or form. And so it was really fun for me to get to learn about it and then actually run some storm giant. In fact, it was a storm giant uh, in the current campaign that I'm running with uh, players, but not the way you would think about uh, a storm giant. But their lore fascinates me uh, from what's been written uh, in the past. Yeah, so let's let's jump into exactly that let's start talking about like what what exactly is a storm giant and what makes them uh, different than the other giant races yeah so this the thing that makes storm giants the most different uh i i think uh there are qualities about them that are fairly similar like they're huge they're extremely heavy. They're extremely loud. They're extremely strong. Like that transcends giants, all yeah. sorts of giant hood, right? What what makes them the most different, I think, is the ordning, um, the way in which they structure themselves as giants. Um, so giants have been around from the very dawn of time in the D and D settings. They trace themselves back to the god Anam, the All Father. And when they were created, they were created so that there was a structure not only within storm giants themselves, but in the the layout and hierarchy of giants, with storm giants being uh, the upper echelon of all of them. Yeah, the, the ordning is super interesting, uh, an interesting part of giant lore, because it's not just something that like storm giants observe, but it's something that like all giant kind observe yeah and what i found really interesting about the ordning is like there there is different ranks and levels in giant society that basically makes it so like you know like where you stand as a storm giant like if you're the king of the storm giants if you're a noble like if you're a layman whatever it is you you know and you fit into this very cast like society but what i found really interesting is that all all giant kind are also structured. So I think Chris, you said it, but storm giants are the highest among this ranking. And what's interesting is that even the lowest of the storm giants themselves, like the you take like the lowest of the low from the storm giant society, they are still considered higher in the ordning than the king or queen of the cloud giants or the frost giants or the stone giants. Like they are still more important and higher in rank, which is really interesting to think about how an interaction between like a peasant storm giant with a, with the queen cloud giant would go. Oh yeah, totally. Well, I think what's really interesting about storm giants too, is they, they're actually quite like, you don't think about giants being real rational beings as far as we see them in uh, whether it's Lord of the Rings lore or if we see them in Harry Potter or whatever. They're just kind of these oafish creatures that are bent on destruction and pillaging and eating smaller humans in their flocks, right? But what's interesting about storm giants is they're actually very thoughtful. They're very philosophic in their nature at times. They're very angry, like, can't can't miss that. They were <laughs> easy to anger. They, yeah, they sure. were very easily angered. But if they were to do something like, say, uh, a clan of humans were to extremely like make them extremely mad, 
if they were to destroy them in a fit of rage, they would feel really bad about it the longer they thought about it, for the most part. Like, they would, they would come back and try and make some sort of amends for what happened. And so they're different in that regard than some of the other giants. Like, I know cloud giants can be fairly uh, similar to that, but they're, they're very different than hill giants uh, and fire giants in, in those sorts of uh, ways where they may not necessarily come back and be as thoughtful or sorrowful for the the things that uh, they've done in the past. Like the lore that you mentioned in Volo's Guide, like that's first first place anybody wants to go about giants. That's oh, yeah, your first spot. Totally. So one of the things that it mentions is once they're old enough to fend for themselves, storm giants spend most of their lives in contemplative isolation. Like, yeah, that is not something I think of. You know, and that that it's my go-to <laughs> no. thought with almost any giant, but that you know, and they're literally just kind of like almost like that wise person at the top of a mountain. And sure, they're going to do well, yeah terrible things, but other than that, they're going to sit there and think about those terrible things. Well, and what you just said too is really interesting because they they like to live in isolation, not just like out in the middle of a forest somewhere, but they're like in extreme places, like tops of mountains where nobody else can get to. Or at like the very bottom of the ocean where, once again, nobody can really ever get to outside of magical means to get there. They don't really want anything to do with the rest of the world around them, but they want to be able to think and sit and wonder about the things that they see around them. Yeah. Yeah. Or even living among the clouds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Looking down, like one of the descriptions in the monster manual is they could live like in the clouds looking down so that even the largest of dragons look like tiny birds. Like that really, like you said, Chris, that really paints an image of how distant these creatures are from the regular mortal world, which without that, then you, you have, you wouldn't be missing storm giants, right? Because like has been said, they are enormous. They're 26 feet on average tall, so you're not like having a storm giant walk past the farmer's field and not being noticed by everybody in the village. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course they're amphibious, which is my favorite thing in the monster stat block. You know, totally. Because you know, yeah. like we mentioned, living at the top of mountains or the bottom of the sea, it's cold in both places. So they're like, ah, yeah, I don't care which one, either one. Yeah. And in some way they're drastic opposites. So it shows that like they are okay with either extremes of being extremely cold in the air or extremely cold in the water. Either is perfectly fine to them as long as they don't have to really interact with anybody but their thoughts. And their appearance very much fits that. Like if you look through either 5th edition artwork or even go back through the artwork of Storm Giants to earlier editions of the game... I ha- they definitely have this Greco-Roman inspired look to them. Uh, yeah, when you totally. look at the storm giants, you can either see uh, a reflection of, to me, what I see is a reflection of Zeus. Like you have a very light, like, I mean, they're throwing lightning bolts. They look, they have their, their tone, uh, their togas, their tunics, their sandals. You see this like Greco-Roman God standing before you. Or if you have an image where they are underwater, they look very Poseidon-like in their appearance just because of the environment they're in, which really, really 
speaks to some of the other lore surrounding that sometimes people will even worship storm giants and their mighty power as gods or lesser gods and make that mistake because of their presence and their power. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Mitch. And I think what I, I like, you know, going off of the fact that you said Poseidon and Zeus, like they're kind of known for being able to interact with the elements quite a bit. Like there's a ton of lore around the way that some of the storm giants become immortal is by like bonding themselves in some way, shape or form. Not a ton of information is given but with the elements to prolong their lives, even potentially becoming uh, immortal in some sense. If, I mean, in human terms, 600 to 800 years is already basically immortal. <laughs> but to prolong that by double or triple that, like that's an extremely long time uh, because of their work that they've done with the elements. Yeah, and to have a to have a giant living so long that you are placing in a, in a, around a city, maybe they're on a mountaintop that the people worship, like that would only strengthen their belief, the long age, especially if it's like you said, if they're using some means to prolong their life, like, well, the thing doesn't die. Of course it's a God. Like, of course we should worship it because my father worshiped it and his father's father worshiped it and his father's father worshiped it. It's been there for forever. <laughs> yeah. Of course it's a God. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about the storm giants too, I mean, we, we kind of to circle back to the ordning and to tie it in with the elements a little bit here, they have a way of telling what storm giant is higher, if they ever come across each other, which storm giant is higher in the hierarchy as well, called the ordning of omens, which is so interesting to me to think about that moment. If you're like this innocent bystander who sees two <laughs> storm giants meeting each other, like Good luck surviving <laughs> that because it's kind of can be minuscule things. It can also be really massive natural things happening around you that you may not make <laughs> it out of, which is so interesting. The possibilities that there is uh, to that for role playing. It's like so epic. <laughs> yeah, I hate to bring this up because I hate this scene uh, and I am not a fan of the movie, but it I know almost exactly reminds me of, yep, of the storm giants fighting. Uh, in the Hobbit movie, yep. <laughs> which they are nothing like storm giants here. In fact, the only reason they're like really said to be storm giants is because it's in the middle of a storm. They're rock, rock elementals. But it like that description that you just gave, Chris, does kind of remind me of that scene. It made me think of like almost like this really interesting anime scene where you're because those you know the one you bring up they're actually fighting each other i love the idea that they're just staring each other down and these yeah. natural yes. phenomenon are going on around them like determining it because <laughs> it talks about like the wheeling flight of birds like the shapes of clouds or like other things yeah. where they're just like standing there like their hair just flying in the wind and how super yeah. saiyan is super saiyan mm -hmm. for yes. you is the, is I think the we're all having the same thought <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they Four are, but they're not like screaming, screaming like <laughs> like Goku would be screaming to power up. It's like a silent power up, and the elements are just going wild yep. around for four episodes straight. Ugh. That's all that it is. Oh, man. And, and that's that's really interesting though, too, because they're to me it like it adds to thinking about a crazy storm that's happening that like this town of people is like, I've never seen us. Do you see that storm? 
on the horizon? Is that coming towards us? I've never seen such a violent storm in my life. In fact, there's something about it that almost seems magical. And rather than it being just this crazy violent storm, it could just be two storm giants meeting far off. But they're seeing it and they're having no idea what the heck exactly is going on. And there's this distant meeting going on that these townspeople are like observing. Well, the other thing is that you're talking about them wanting to live these solitary lives, but meetings would happen because they're drawn, you know, going back to the elements and everything like that. They're drawn to places where the elemental planes and the material planes are thinner. So you could have kind of this upstart storm giant interacting with an older storm giant that's at one of Mm. these elemental crossings. And that could be, you know, kind of going back into how do you want to put them into your homebrew world or how do you want to start a like, you know, start some kind of story for your players to interact with. That could be it. It could be like this journey that one is going on and then this confrontation with a second one. Hmm. So one of my favorite aspects of the lore of Storm Giants Chris, you already in your initial description talked about like how they are, they're wise, like they're different from some of the other giant races because they they have this wisdom about them. They're more civilized in many ways. Uh, In fact, we get this idea that's painted for us that they uh, can even be really nice to run into by adventurers because unless like you insult them and anger them, they can be very, uh, they can be very kind and, uh, even help you in your journey. But one of the ways that I think they can always be an awesome help to PCs and gives the DM inspiration is that they are known as seers and they can, they observe both the sky and the, the ocean for signs and omens of future events. And they have this, like you just imagine these solitary storm giants living off in by themselves. And all they do all day is they just observe nature and the elements for what is to come in the future. And then when they have those meetings that we just talked about, they are, they will exchange like notes. And so they can have this greater understanding but these these creatures living their own lives by themselves, constantly seeing omens in the skies and the in in the waters like that to me is so interesting and really just gets my brain like running with inspiration on how to use these things in a world. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like I think about um, I mean, just to take it one step further, we always we always like to say that we like we hope that we learn from history, right? Like how many storm giants have seen this sort of storm before and they're like oh man we totally like it's it's almost a different way of keeping history could be like maybe storm giants keep history based off of natural phenomenon that has happened rather than like writing down well billy did this thing in 1954 right that we're going to come back and look at they talk about the storm from the first century or something and everything kind of formulates out of that, what the ramifications were. Or they can predict, like, because we've known what this storm did back in the first century, this looks very similar to that. Something along those same lines is going to happen. We need to pay attention to that. And if other giants have seen that to corroborate that story, that just adds a whole nother element of these wise council of giants that are getting together to talk about this, that 
humanity, if they're let in on this little glimpse, should probably pay attention to uh, in in the world because they're probably not wrong that these things are going to transpire <laughs> because of that. And I was wondering what like how does that affect the mentality and how a DM can role play a storm giant with this idea that they are not only getting glimpses of future events so that when disasters and the fall of uh, mankind's empires uh, happen and kings get slain and they, these things in the future that they are seeing glimpses of, they're not shocked by them when they happen because they've been like, no, we've we've read that in the signs. We we knew of the coming of this. But also, like you were saying, Chris, this is an ancient race and a race that really values wisdom. So I have to imagine that like when storm giants are together, they probably tell stories of history as well as the future. And so they have probably this deep knowledge of what has happened in the world for so many years into the past. And so I almost think of it as having this almost uh, to a lesser degree, but Dr. Manhattan style uh, to the way that they view like mankind and other mortal races and, and the calamities that are happening in the world. It's almost just like, but this doesn't concern me. Uh, This is the way the world works. Not in like a, we are once again, stone storm giants are good. They're not evil, but almost like this. Yeah. But that's just, that's just how things are. And they may help if you can go to them directly and they may help you with wisdom, but uh, they're not jumping down from their clouds and their mountains all the time to fix the problems of the little races. I think the other thing to do with that, especially in terms of like kind of how to role play a storm giant or rather how I would play a storm giant is with that contemplative isolation, whatever their personality is, I think it's going to be very defined for them and very rigid because they're not really getting input from others on how to be. So then they sit with their thoughts and they become Mm. who they're going to be. And it could be very different because of you know the life experiences or, that they've had, but then they sit with those same life experiences for what a hundred years before they start interacting yeah. with your players. So whatever I would you know whatever personality they have, I would probably keep it very rigid because they've been so they've defined it so yeah. well on their own. So here's an idea for you, Neil. What happens if in one campaign? your players meet a storm giant that they significantly influence because they either helped him and he sat with the thoughts about that group for 150 years before they meet the next group that then meets the storm giant again the same one who they're expecting to act the same way do the same things and then all of a sudden he's changed for some reason i mean how cool of a moment for your players to have the moment to explain like or to show that your players in the past made a significant impact on this creature who's contemplated the things that they've done for him or her for thousands or hundreds of years at that point. I think that's a fantastic moment for your players to feel that they've made a significant impact on the world through this one storm giant who's considered a god in the world of D&D for the most part. Yeah, Yeah, to to have the storm giant literally like you're interacting with this storm giant and have this small bit of dialogue where 
he explains why he is more involved and more now like trying to help uh, the the little races. And he says something along the lines of like, it all began with some friends that I made and like just to rattle off a couple quick names and your your current PCs may not have any clue who these people are and may have no way to be like, oh, I let, let's talk more about this. And it's, <laughs> so it's just going to be this passing line. But to have the players sit yeah. there and to hear something like that, Chris, like that's I I think that almost always just really gets people excited to be like you're paying homage to a previous character that I had and the choices yeah, that it- I made. Because I think it's it's one thing to like have a sword that a player fifty years in a, later in a different campaign comes across that their player used in the past. Like I think that's really cool, right? Like it's a cool cameo moment for this item that a previous campaign had. But then, like to take it up an- another level and to say you've influenced what everybody considers to be an immortal storm giant god is pretty stinking cool (laughs) for for any like i i get chills just thinking about it like man that would be sweet if that could happen someday like that i've made such an impact on a world even i mean even though it's just like we all know that it's made up like but it's it we there's something cool about a dungeon master paying homage when something massive and cool happens like that i would almost also want to give honorifics that maybe hadn't come up in that initial interaction like in you know obviously it's gonna i'm gonna talk about the dwarf of the party because you know i am and so but like (laughs) let's say you know in the storm giant meeting them the next time refers to it as like cadgar the brave rather than you know just cadgar or anything like that cadgar stone cleaver Mm -hmm. instead of that or whatever it is yeah yeah and then and then to cut his meat he pulls out a a sword that to him is a little a little knife and it's the sword of Cadgar, and he tells the story about how Cadgar was buried in a tomb, but it's been a long time, and that tomb had been forgotten, and he wanted a piece to remember his old friend by. Like, there's so many little things you could drop in that I think, yeah, that would be so powerful. So, yeah, to, to tie it in with, so we, t- we said earlier, like, they can, na- they can notice natural phenomenon, right? Yeah. So what if you were to say, like, hey, I knew that you were coming because I saw a storm that was very similar to the storm before the last group of people came mm. and find me. Let me tell you about that. You know, like tying in some more of these like historical elements of the storm giants, like just getting that much more immersed into the lore is just, yeah. it makes me want to go back and run my storm giant encounter much differently now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like having talked about this this way, like, I mean, how cool. Let's transition there talking because, Chris, that's what you're talking about is like doing it. You're like running Storm Giants yourself, doing it in your own homebrew worlds or whatever world that you're playing in Um, as DMs, as we've just talked through a lot of this lore that is built into the D&D worlds. uh, Let's talk about Storm Giants in our in our own homebrew worlds. Is there anything that you can take from this that you would either change or maybe add to uh to the lore of storm giants when putting them into your homebrew worlds yeah for me there was one that i was thinking about um i i hadn't really ever considered adding a storm giant to the water 
Um, but there's a there's a there's a place in the world that I've created where there's a bay uh, that's walled off by a giant gray wall at one end. And so part of me is wondering, like, okay, how could I put a storm giant at the bottom of this bay uh, in some way, shape or form that nobody really knows about? But there's some like super ancient lore about the fact that the storm giant is down there. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I came across what's called an eddy. Have you guys ever heard of these out in the oceans? So the, think about like uh, a whirlpool, but think about it in terms of like a hundred miles across. Hmm. Uh, there's these things called eddies out in the ocean, which have um, obviously not the destructive force of, but the uh, what the article I was reading said had mathematical equivalents of a black hole. So they operate very similarly in the under portions of the water, like below the surface of the water and so they're like where currents meet if i'm if i'm getting it right if not it's just going to be a really cool thing in, <laughs> in this homebrew world right it's like this underwater where currents meet and start to form all of these different patterns and scientists have said like there's water in that whirlpool that eddy that has moved like large amounts and has been in there for years uh as these things exist and move and so it's like what if we had at the bottom of this bay this storm giant that's creating this kind of whirlpool in the middle of it. People just know it as this whirlpool that nobody goes into, but it could be a moment where your players are like, man, I want to go and explore that. And they get the opportunity to meet this storm storm giant who's in charge of, or who's, who's the reason why this 50 mile across whirlpool exists in the middle of this bay or somewhere way out in the middle of the ocean. Right. It's kind Mm -hmm. of a way of like, Hey, leave me alone. I don't want anybody to find me because it'll destroy you if you go in there. Um, but then you get to the bottom and there's a storm giant if you survive. And now you have this conversation with the storm giant who no one else has ever had the opportunity uh, to chat with because they've never survived the water or the whirlpool uh, far enough to be able to have that conversation with them. That's sweet. That was one thing I was thinking about. That is awesome. And now we get to go learn about Eddie's. Yeah. Well, and, and Edgar Allan Poe too has a really cool like description of uh, like this massive whirlpool where like on the outside of it, there's always just this constant layer of like foam. And so what if by this whirlpool, there's just this constant 10 foot layer of foam that people have to w- wander through that they're like, Hey, we're going to wander into this, see if there's something on the other side because it's, they've sailed all the way around it. It's a long journey. They've only seen walls of foam. And now they're like, okay, we're going to make our way into it, see what's in here. And they come out the other side, and there's this massive whirlpool that they're then sucked into. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Terrible choice. (laughs) Terrible life choice. But, yeah. That's awesome. Mitch, did you have ways that you would spice up the storm giant? So one one of the things that I really liked from some of the older editions uh, in, in general to D and D is I think there were a lot more languages uh, that yeah. were floating around. And as far as the storm giant goes, like in the fifth edition monster manual, it speaks common and it speaks giant. And I think you can make a really good case of, they might even speak more languages that make them even more accessible just because of their 
their search for wisdom. And I mean, you, you, they could be speaking with other creatures of the world to learn more, but I think you could also go the other way on that and have the storm giants because of their solitary living, uh, that they over time, if they knew the language of the little people of the common language of even the, the common giant language that maybe they have forgotten that Uh, in older editions, there was a specific storm giant language. And maybe in your own homebrew world, you could literally have these, these storm giants have forgotten all, but their ancient tongue that now the only people that they can really speak to is if they do run into another storm giant. Which then begs the question of, well, if my PCs run into these giants, how do I interact with them? And is there a way for me to learn this ancient language that now only these storm giants speak? Which to me, I I find very, very interesting and adds a whole nother level of depth to them. Yeah, and I don't don't often... uh, There was one time where I've thought about leaving... uh, character and it was in the voyage of the unending sea mitch was mm-hmm. with sanjan like taking the place and like this isn't my character dying like i'm physically having this choice to leave yeah. this character right and so if like that if i was presented with that moment of like wow i'm i'm potentially having oh. the opportunity to speak with a care or with a with hmm. a giant who nobody has understood the language for the longest time maybe now this is a moment for me to become a linguist or go and get some training to come back and it could be this like homage to this character later. Like now we have a storm giant language because yeah. a player decided oh, to wow. leave their character yeah. behind to study the language of this long forgotten giant. And it may not be a moment where anything is able to come in the initial interaction with that storm giant because we can't communicate with them. But the character comes back maybe if in an epilogue session, eight years later or something, meets back up with the rest of the group and says, I did it. True. Yeah. Or even or even language, to have that you know? be the epilogue is, well, OK, what what do your characters want to do to end this adventure off? What is what is oh, the yeah. post adventure story? Well, my character would want to go back to that storm giant that we couldn't really communicate with. Uh, but I want to go. And as long as he will allow me or she will allow me, I want to stay with them and learn from them. And see if I can. Yeah, like that could be a mid campaign thing, which I think if done right, really adds power to that. Chris, like you were saying, to have a a player say my character steps away from the adventure Um, or it could be the end of the story for that adventure. That's how after the adventure is done, he or she lives the remaining days. Well, then starting off a new campaign, you could have them come across that old character. Or come across the book that the old character had made in some way. And then that could lead them on a journey for their next adventure, too. It could be another moment for some cool homage uh, to that uh, to to that character that went and did that yeah. in the epilogue. Neil, did you have anything or should we jump into adventure hooks? Uh, I think the only thing I would do is maybe add more interactions um, just to spice it up maybe have like a pair of storm giants that for whatever reason they have like the exact you know going back to that anime standoff where it it truly ends in a draw and so then the two (laughs) of them like stay together because they Hmm. somehow in the ordning are at like the exact same level 
So then, and, and then having this really, you know, and I would also want some sort of hilarious relationship where they constantly are battling each other, you know, small <laughs> things, you know, but yeah, you know, like, yeah. oh, well, you did three, well, I did four, and oh, that yeah, kind of thing all the time because their whole their whole relationship is them trying to constantly prove who's higher in the yep. ordning. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. So we've kind of so. been like already doing this to an extent, but is there any specific adventure hooks that with the idea of storm giants that you guys had while talking about the lore and who, what storm giants are that you're like, man, this would be a great way to start an adventure or start a campaign using a storm giant, or even just start, uh, start a middle of the campaign adventure. Yeah. I think one for me is like, if you're traveling past a mountain, let's say, and all of a sudden, a, a storm giant comes tumbling down out of the mountain and lands in front of your group dead. But hmm. not just dead from old age, but is like mauled in some way, shape, or form, extremely disfigured, whatever it is. And your players are the ones that witness this. They had maybe thought that storm giants were only things in fairy tales or whatever. They'd never come across one. And now there's this giant 26-foot, 3,000-pound storm giant laying in front of them dead. Because something happened up on the top of this mountain, and they have no idea what to do. I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a very pointed adventure hook that would be really hard to ignore. <laughs> yeah, not, ho- hopefully not too many players. There are definitely those out there who would, would be like, okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it could be one of those things where it's like, oh, shoot, we're not ready to travel up there. Loot the but body. we got to let somebody know about it. Yeah, loot, loot the, the body. body. <laughs> <laughs> no, but th- I mean, that's a that's a good point coming out of that, that to me, like talking about adding to the lore, like Chris, you bringing that up makes me go, yeah, what happens if a storm giant dies? Like, do do their bodies just decay like normal or like I to me, I had this image of like the body hitting the ground, the last bit of life exiting uh, in a breath and the eyes closing and almost this idea of uh, kind of like in infinity war with the like turning to ash and like going away, but like sparks rippling up and down the entire of the storm giants body as this like kind of slowly happens. Whispering one word before they die. Yes. Rosebud. And (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And letting, yeah. And letting the players figure out, what in the world that means yeah neil got any adventure hooks for us i do i love the idea of using them really early on because you know we've kind of presented them as you know they're good they're in some way but benevolent on you know atop the hill and going back to kind of the idea we talked about where you know cadgar has passed away and this storm giant knows it but they also know that there's nothing they can do you know, they can't oh, come yeah. from their mountaintop and go to where Cadgar passed away. And so they could kind of essentially put that quest to your players to go get that souvenir, if you will, that remembrance of Cadgar or that whole party and bring it back to them. So I think that'd be a really cool way to introduce them at lower levels. Yeah, yeah I love that. What about you, Mitch? You got any adventure hooks for us? All right, so I've I've got two for us. So the first is rather kind of simple it would be a simple not simple uh, but it would be a rescue mission 
with the fact that storm giants are these seers and they peer into the future and they have this wisdom of both the past and the future, I think a storm giant would be a prized possession to a, a, a king that wants to capture one and keep them in the dungeon to constantly been be giving them wisdom and knowledge and helping them to rule more effectively. And yeah. so the idea of an adventuring party finding out that this, this poor storm giant is being held captive leads to how do we set this storm giant free? And let me say, if you're able to capture a storm giant, then that's not going to be an easy rescue mission because no. you've got some strong forces behind <laughs> you then. Yeah. But so that was, that was, it's funny that you say that because that was sort of the way that the players encountered the storm giant in the campaign oh, really? I'm running now was they, well, kind of, yeah. In the same sort of way, like they, the, there's an empire that behind the scenes, the players don't know this. So if you're listening, stop listening now. Uh, <laughs> they, they want to capture, they wanted to capture the storm giant uh, because they know that storm giants can control the weather in this world. And so they wanted to have an advantage on the battlefield as they're about to go out into the uh. entire world and try and conquer it by having a storm giant that they've captured and tortured uh, and want to have the advantage of having the, the elements be in their favor. That was, that was almost, that was, that was the idea that I kind yeah. of threw in that they're dealing with now. Yeah. And that's that a idea. great point is that they could be used as a weapon because of their wisdom and their ability totally. to, to see into the future or just because flat out they are a living weapon. They're huge. They can yeah. cause <laughs> massive amounts of damage. And if you can control the storm, man, that's that's a powerful weapon that you can use against your enemies. Especially if you can capture one that's higher up in the ordning. Imagine yes. that even stronger power that they have. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. So and then my my other adventure hook. So I think that the fact that storm giants are they're all they're chaotic good creatures. Um, they're known as being benevolent. Uh, they're known as being solitary living creatures. It says they only get together really to either meet and exchange information, or uh, if they're raising children, they'll stay together while they're raising the children. Then then they all go their separate ways. Um, you have this real setup of every storm giant is in this different different place. Uh, and they are just kind of secluded from the rest of the world. The question I was asking myself is, these are the strongest giants that there are. What if, because we don't really get this in any of the, the current books we have, what if a storm giant decided that they were done with the ordning, but that they want, or that they wanted to work their way up the ordning and the way that they were going to do that is they were going to take out all of their giants in their way. This is definitely sure. breaking that that chaotic good uh, side to a storm giant, but an evil storm giant that wants to raise up the ranks. You can have this storm giant literally traveling from place to place, taking out other storm giants. And so this yeah. this adventure hook is that you're hearing maybe there there is this very slight connection that the world has with storm giants and they're all starting to disappear. They're all starting to die. 
I mean, you can literally have your adventure hook, Chris, be the thing that starts this with the storm giant falling down from the mountain, Uh right? And it's another storm giant who has done this deed. But then trying to find this rogue storm giant to take them out and and to stop the ordning from breaking. And kind of leading into that other question of what happens if the ordning breaks? What if a, a giant breaks the ordning? What are the consequences of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about, too, along the same lines as what, what you're saying. Like, it, it makes me think of um, what if you were to throw a Highlander element in there? Like, so if a storm Ooh, giant yes. figures out that by cutting the head off of another storm or what, whatever you want it to be, they take on some of the power of that storm giant. So they're just growing exponentially in their power. Oh, and man. whatever storm giants are left, this one's way too powerful for them. They have to come out of isolation and band with the the races of the world to fight back against this one storm giant at the very culmination of the campaign uh with all of its weird elementals that it's brought along on its side and you know having having that be the culmination of the entire campaign because this one storm giant to go off of what you're saying has become way too powerful that they alone can't do anything about him and you could even make it more of a materialistic kind of thing because maybe they're gaining in power because with every storm giant that they slay, they're taking their best piece of armor or their most magical weapon. So you have this rogue storm giant walking around with the sword of Hondor and the helm of Gontolgrin, you know? So it's like, and as they kill more, they're getting a stronger armor set and a stronger weapon set and yeah that's a fantastic addition it's terrifying it's great when we can play off of each other's adventure hooks and just keep it it. going that's the that's the beauty (laughs) of talking with other dms who aren't your players in a group amen (laughs) you actually have people to bounce ideas off of uh so the ultimate question we have is where can we go to find what you're doing on the internet if there's anything you want us to find (laughs) <laughs> well I, I hope that i'm a fairly open book and aren't hiding anything <laughs> uh uh yeah you can follow me on twitter uh my handle is at dm underscore chris one uh and that's pretty much it for right now where you want to find me um for now yeah well i i think i speak for both of us chris when i say this has been fantastic to have you back on the show uh yeah. it's a yes. bittersweet because it's for this this raw real monsters episode and not a an ordinary thing uh but yeah it just felt so natural to once again you me and neil be able to sit down and albeit not at the same table but uh and talk virtual table D. yeah virtual table exactly the three amigos huh. <laughs> doing it <laughs> yeah thanks guys this has been awesome so, Chris, we're going to be heading to the mailbag of holdings. So you want to take us away to there? Yeah, I'd be honored. And now, everybody, let's head to the mailbag of holding. But they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now, let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? Welcome back to another segment of the mailbag of holding, where we talk about ideas, stories and questions from you the listener that you have sent to us via the email and somehow via time travel because we have <laughs> another future dm and the, yep this have time one it, last week have one this week yeah this time it is future dm mike and they sent in you know saying thanks for the podcast they've already got a 
plethora of ideas from 15 episodes in, and the campaign that they want to start is a new frontier, sending people out that are adventurers, ex-cons, whatever, but the person leading their nation wants these people to go out and figure out why others have gone and they're missing. But the big question that they have is, with this new land with goblins and orcs and trolls, no one speaks the language of the adventurers. And kind of the question to us is, would you do that? Or would you kind of scrap that idea so that communication is a non-issue? And if you didn't scrap it, how would you have your characters interact with basically not being able to just use their words? I know my immediate go-to is no. I would totally, you know, with the idea of a new frontier, I would not have them speak common. And I would, because that, you know, and that definitely adds to that feel. Like this is new foreign, I guess is, a, is possibly even feels alien. And so having the inability to communicate naturally would be one thing I would go towards. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like these people speak common, but their common is not your common. Their common is their common. Your common is your common. You're not going to speak the same language. Maybe there's a storyline in there where you can find a group of people that speak your language. And then the question is, how did how do these people speak our language? There are some history here. But in general, I think if you're going for that new frontier style campaign, That's really a big, important aspect of it. You're going to have no mapped out like areas. Nope. You're going into it. You can have that be a fantastic. There was some some episode way long ago where we talked about a giving your PCs the ability to say, if you would like to, you could be the first to map out this new land. Yep. Great time to do it. Also, these are the first PCs that might be encountering these people that speak their own language or multiple people groups that speak their own languages, monsters that speak their own languages. It's a it's a whole new world. And <laughs> Neil, at this time, you said you were going to start singing this. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, but, but there is shining, shimmering and <laughs> splendor. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, here's the other factor here is that if we're talking about D&D or a fantasy world, you always do have the answer of magic, too. It's limited but you can cast spells that allow you to speak the language, even if you don't understand it. So this is actually, I think, a great place for a wizard or a sorcerer to shine as being an interpreter yep. to this new people. And so if if you're like, oh, man, I'm really worried that none of these characters are going to understand language, go to the wizard, go to the sorcerer. Or just as you progress this campaign, start to make it so all the characters are are learning this language slowly. And so then as you role play these NPCs, you're now doing broken, like common to them because they're starting to understand certain words, but then you throw in something else and they're like, I still don't understand what they're saying. in that. Yeah. But yeah, that is part of the best and most important feel. I'd say, like you were saying, Neil, that's, it's important. I think it's an important aspect. Well, and you also have to, the races that you want to communicate with the players, you know, if you're saying orcs, but they're more traditional and that they want to murder your players probably aren't interested and be like, Oh, what do they, Mm -hmm. I I want them to tell me how they feel before I kill them. Like that's probably not the road you're going down. And my number one go-to again, I like referencing some piece of media. Definitely go watch 13th warrior. Hmm. 
because he sits there as a captive. And, Which is, is a great movie. Oh, it's one of the best, movie. in my opinion, I call it one of the best D&D yes, movies because it is absolutely. classic. But he just sits there and listens to them for mm. hours and hours on end as they're just casually talking amongst themselves until he eventually starts to be able to understand what they're saying. Yeah, and depending depending on how deep you want to get into DMing and figuring out what, like, you can just make up sounds as you're making up this new language that they're not understanding. But if you want to get deep into it, every time a orc party attacks them, they yell Gundaba or something like that. And maybe your really clever players will start to figure out, hey, every time we hear this word, they do this. And mm, this other group yep. said this other word that wasn't this. And they were not attacking. And so you can even throw a little, if you really want to get deep into that, if you want to talk in this, start creating <laughs> this language, like you yep. can, you don't have to get fully into it, but you can totally come up with a couple words that your PCs will start to latch onto and be like, I know what this means. I can now use this as I'm talking to these natives. Yep. I like it. So thank you, future DM. And again, hopefully you are current DM, Mike. We just want to thank Chris again for coming on and hopefully we can trick him into coming on more than he's realizing and we'll just call him a host again. It'll be fine. And hopefully you got a lot out of that storm giant discussion. I know I did and I know I really want to terrify my players by adding a storm giant way earlier than they expect. But if people wanted to tell us about their use of storm giants, how would they do it? You can send us an email to dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Write in, tell us your stories about storm giants in your homebrew worlds. We want to hear them. We want to be inspired by you. And if you like what you hear on this episode and on previous episodes of the Dungeon Masters Block, if we've inspired you at all, think about heading over to iTunes and giving us a five-star review. If you do, we'll make sure to shout it out on a future episode of the show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And of course, like us over on Facebook, which are the best places to follow us. So you can get all of the updates that we send out. The Dungeon Masters block is a proud member of the block party podcast network. Check out other shows like the GM showcase, geek wars, detentions and dragons, and more. But as always, this has been the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all the other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And remember to always keep on Dungeon Mastering. You're starting. Lost, that I lost the picture. Come on. Get in the box. Let's spare no more time and let's head over to the mailbag. Nope. <laughs> the mailbag of holding. That'd really throw people off. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like a Here's the 20 ma- minute episode. <laughs> Here's the mailbag. What's up? <laughs> I. I Fantastic. Well, thank you. Uh, or you want to say that? No, yeah. I just didn't. I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how to get out of here. I know. That's, that's what I was sensing. <laughs> and what is Neil? You're going to say something? No. Go ahead. You sure? Yes. Were you going to say something? No. Get out okay. of here.
goodbye.